morning I want to talk about Pentecost. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Pentecost is the outpouring of the Holy Spirit into our lives. Jesus made a way for us to be able to be vessels of the impartation of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 24. Gospel of Matthew, chapter number 24. And we'll be looking at verses, uh, well, from verses uh, 35 uh, to, uh, well, to, to, uh, to the end. I want to read that first to you and then we'll go back through it. Matthew, chapter 24, and we'll read verses 35 to 41. The Bible says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. But after that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. For the coming of the Son of Man will be just like the days of Noah. For as in those days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Then there will be two men in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and one will be left. And the first part of verse 42, therefore, be on the alert. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. One thing I want to focus on today is this, that God's promises are true. How many of you believe that God's word and promises are true? Amen. The Bible starts off in, the, in verse 35. It says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. In other Gospels, it says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of God endures forever. How many of you know that the grass fades? How do we know that? We lived long enough to see that grass fades away. Flowers, as beautiful as they are, we know that they don't remain that way forever. How do we know that? We lived long enough to see a beautiful flower wilt when you don't water it. I mean, with... Praise the Lord, right? My wife loves flowers and so does her mom. Sometimes they get flowers and say, "Hun, would you make sure they get watered? Right, honey, don't worry about a thing. Next thing you know, uh-oh, problem, right? So flowers wither. But the Bible says the word of God through the ages, through the seasons, through winter, spring, summer, and fall, the word of God does not wilt. It does not fade away. It does not grow old. We grow old. How many of you know we grow old? But God's word does not grow old. And this is one thing that is wonderful about the Lord, that he does not change. The Bible tells us repeatedly through the word, I, the Lord, change not. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's wonderful that we have a God, that there is a God, there is the only one, there is no other God, but thank God that he tells us that he doesn't change. He's stable, he's secure, he's the first and the last, the beginning and the end, the Alpha and the Omega, and we can trust his word, why? Because it doesn't change. 
He doesn't say one thing one day and say, change his mind and say, you know what? Uh, I, I think I'm going to do something a little different today. Well, God is a God who does change in our lives. But what he says, his word endures forever. Where it says in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8, that's where it says the grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Well, in Isaiah chapter 55, it says, For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven. How many of you love snow? My wife loves snow. She prays for snow. I'm saying, Lord Jesus, I know I got a snowblower and a shovel. Thank you for the snow, but, you know, take it easy. My wife is saying, let it come, Lord. Let it come. Let it snow. Praise the Lord. Amen. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and they don't return there without watering the earth and making it bear and sprout and furnishing seed. It says, so will my word be which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me void or empty, but it will accomplish that for which it was sent. When we look at the world around us, we know there's, there's the seasons, the rains come. And there's God created seed. And God said seed time and harvest will never end, right? Why, why do farmers plant? They know that if they plant the seed, they still need to depend upon rain, not too much rain, and they need to depend upon sun, not too much sun. Now, who does that? Who orchestrates the, the, the balance between sunshine and rain? Who makes that seed to grow? Who makes the rain come and water that? It's the word of the Lord. And God says, as long as life endures, seed time and harvest will be. It's not going to change. And so we have the seasons and we have springtime and we have harvest. And so we can understand the Bible says the word of God does not change. And Jesus, the word of God says, Jesus talks about the days of Noah. Now, we just, we just came back and, and uh, we saw at sight and sound Noah. What a, what a fantastic. Jonah, I'm sorry, Jonah. But we saw Noah, we saw Noah on the film. Uh, what a fantastic, we may be showing that on a Wednesday night. Noah, what incredible, incredible performance. But some people say, how could all those animals get into the ark? I don't know. They did. The Bible says they did. But Jesus even quotes Noah. Just as the days of Noah, so it will be in the, second, in the days when Jesus comes again. And so it says in the days of Noah, there was a generation and a people that had, were occupied by other things than God. God was second place or took no place in people's lives. And otherness, the busyness of life and of the world, that was their attraction and that was the things that they sought after. And the Bible says that they were eating and drinking. Now, who we love to eat and drink, don't we? We all love to eat and drink. I don't know anybody that does not love to eat and drink, especially the men. Come on, guys. No, every, you, 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 you put a barbecue out there and call the men, they'll be, they'll be there ahead of you, ladies, I'm telling you. Guys will be there, but we love to eat and drink. But priorities, God has to be number one in our life, doesn't he? And if we put God number one in our lives, and he's a priority of our life, everything else, the Bible says, will fall into place, and we'll be able to enjoy those things as we enjoy God. But if we enjoy those things without enjoying God, we're missing out. We're missing the mark. We're, we're coming way short of, of, of what life is about. 
Life is about knowing God, knowing our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ, loving Him and serving Him and being an encouragement to one another. Amen? And so the Bible says, just as in the days of Noah, why do we need the Holy Spirit? Why did Jesus come and, and say, wait until you receive power from on high? Wait until you receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we are living in a generation that is just like the generation of Noah. And we need inside of us, we need the ability and the power to live for Jesus Christ. And without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we are not able to live for Jesus. Nobody could do it in the Old Testament. None of them can keep all of the commandments. They were all guilty under the commandments, under the law. And so Jesus came to fulfill all of that so that through Christ Jesus, as we believe on him, as we repent and believe on Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. I want to live for you. How many of you want to live for Jesus? Amen. We want to live for Jesus. That's why we're here. What are we doing here today? We want to hear the word of God. We want to encourage one another. Keep looking up. He's coming again. We need to live for the, for the Lord. Amen. And so God gives us, has given us, and gives us the Holy Spirit who becomes the ability, the power within us to be able to live for the Lord in a generation that is like the Noah generation. A generation where everybody is striving to pull you. Come on to my party. Come on here. Come on there. Come on here. And there's nothing wrong with that stuff. But if that takes us away from the things of God, if that takes us away from living for God, from walking with God, then that's a danger. There's a danger sign coming up. Whoa, no generation here. I need to be keeping my mind pure, my heart right with God. I need to be living for Jesus but we can have fun. How many of you know living for Jesus is not boring? Living for Jesus is, I've never had more joy in my life than the day I said, Jesus, come into my life. I lived many years in the world and the things of the world, and it was all vanity. Nothing was there. Nothing satisfied. You had this, you wanted more. You had that, you thought you were having a good time, but none of it satisfied. But when I came to Jesus Christ, I knew, I then began to know what real joy, real happiness, real peace was all about. Walking with Jesus and serving him is a joy. The Bible says the joy of the Lord. It doesn't say the sadness of the Lord. It says the joy of the Lord is my strength. And what did Jesus say? I've come that your joy may be, finish it for me. Full. I've come that your joy may be full. Living for Jesus, Jesus brings joy into our life through the power and anointing of his word and of his Holy Spirit so that we are able to stand in this generation to be a witness and a light unto Jesus Christ, unto the gospel of the Lord, and that we may live our lives with that hope knowing that any day, any day Jesus may come. Noah was building that ark for a long time. And people were laughing at him. People were mocking him. Uh, none of us were ever mocked, right? Nobody ever laughed at you for your faith. and Nobody ever mocked you, right? No, that's not true, is it? Because as long as we live for Jesus, there will be mockeries. Jesus said, hey, listen, if they hated me, they're going to hate you even more. But that's okay. Let them hate. But we're going to love. Amen. And we're going to live for Jesus and we're going to love. Amen. 
And so the Bible says, just as it was, Jesus says, just as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be in the days just before I come again. Hallelujah. Numbers 23, verse 18. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should repent. Has he not said it, and will he not do it, or has he spoken, and will he not make it good? When we come to the Lord, we believe him. We believe his words. He's Lord of heaven and earth. And Father, I believe your word. I want to believe Jesus. Amen? Uh, we can listen to the words of man, and sometimes, you know, people, we can, it's good to listen to people, the good people. But the only word that will really change and transform our life is the word of God. It's not the word in a textbook. It's not the word from a professor. And as much as I love my mother and father, it's not their words. It's the word of the Lord that will change my life forever. I listen to my parents. I lost them when I was a young child, but I listened to them. I listened to their words. But as much as they loved me, their words could only do so much in my life. But it's the word of God that comes into my life that really changes me inside and transforms me and makes me a new creation. How many of you can testify that it is God's word, the word of God, that came into your life that changed you? How many of you can say amen to that? And God's word will continue to work in you for good, continue to grow you, continue to enrich you in your most holy faith, continue to wax you strong to make you a mighty man of God, continue to wax you strong to make you a handmaiden of the Lord, a mighty woman of God. And, and we want to be a generation that serves God. And so we need the working of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We need his word and the working of his Holy Spirit in our lives. Again, Matthew 24 says, heaven and earth will pass away. My words will not pass away. We must believe the promise. They waited, Israel, the nation Israel, waited a long time for the promise of the coming of the Messiah. And when Jesus came, he fulfilled the promise. It was prophesied a long time ago that there would be one, right, born of a virgin, and all the other promises, all the other promises. And how was that all going to come about? But they did. One by one, they unfolded and they came to pass. And Christ was born in Bethlehem, wasn't he? Christ began his ministry. He began going about the face of the earth, teaching and healing and calling people to himself and saying, Come, follow me, follow me. Come, listen to my words, believe on me. Let me touch your life with love and compassion. Amen. Jesus was calling them to himself. He promised, he told them, destroy this temple and on the third day I'll raise it up again. And they mocked him and they laughed at Jesus. Ha, oh, you're going to raise your... They didn't understand. But Jesus said it and did it come to pass? They beat him. He was brutalized on the Calvary before going to the cross. Nailed to the cross. Hung there. Died. Gave up his body and blood for us. Put in a tomb. Stone rolled over the tomb. But on the third day, what happened? The stone rolled away. Out came Jesus, the Lord of glory. Huh? Just like his word said. And he rose again. And he said, wait until you receive power from on high. Then you will be able to be my witnesses starting in, in right here and going all the way to the end of the world. 
And so he said, wait until you receive power. And so he calls us to believe the promise. We must do something. We must plant God's word in our heart and be patient and wait and wait for God to come again. Amen. And while we're waiting, the Bible says, occupy, put your hands to the plow. Find whatever you can do for the glory of God and for the work of the Lord, for building each other up and encouraging each other. How many of you know the Lord wants us, while we're waiting, to put his word in our heart and to be working with one another to encourage one another and build each other up? How many of you think that's a good thing? I think we should be doing what Jesus said. I think we should be encouraging one another, building each other up, and keeping our say, say keep looking up, keep looking up. He's coming again. Keep living for Jesus. James chapter 5, James chapter 5, verses 7 to 9. Therefore, be patient. <laughs> oh, don't we love to be patient? We're a patient people, aren't we? Oh, we just can't, we can't think of anything better than to just wait. To just be patient and wait. Isn't that wonderful, to be patient and wait? Hallelujah, hallelujah. But patience is a virtue. Patience is a virtue. And God calls us to be patient. Therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. It says, be patient. Wait. Hold your horses. I'm coming again. But while, um, while you're waiting, just don't hang out and chill out and do nothing. While you're waiting, be busy about serving and loving God. Be, be busy about getting to know him more today than you did yesterday. Amen? And so the Lord is always calling us to come before him that he may learn. So it's that we may learn. So see how the farmer, he goes on to say in James, see how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and the latter rain. We drive by a field every Sunday when we come on to church and there's a, there's a cornfield, and uh, the farmer plants his seed. He goes there, and, you know, they, they plant the corn seed, and, and he's patient. You know, you don't, you, you don't, it's not Jack and the Beanstalk type mentality. You know, you don't plant and look out the next day, and you, you go climb the beanstalk. You know, the Bible says, like the farmer, you plant God's word in your heart and wait for the fulfillment of the promise. It will come. The, the farmer plants that seed, and every day we drive by the cornfield, that corn, that corn is like this, then it's like this, then it's like this. It's growing, patiently waiting till someday we know that it's going to be ripe for the picking, right? Not now. We can't go pick it now. But when we wait patiently, we know the day will come when it will be ripe for the picking. And that's what Jesus says. Just like you see the farmer waiting to, waiting to harvest this crop. He's waiting patiently. He's believing for God to bring the rain and the sun in on that field. And God will nourish you with his word and with his love and with his Holy Spirit while you're waiting. He'll nourish you. He'll give you what we need to grow in our faith, to be patient and waiting. But God says, I will come again. Don't forget. Don't forget, you think, the, you think the farmer forgets about his corn crop? You think the farmer forgets about his tomatoes or, or whatever he planted? You think he forgets about them? Do you think he planted them and says, ah, you know, I, I got other things to do. He's always conscious, right? The farmer is always conscious of his crop, always conscious of 
how's my corn doing, right? He keeps looking out there. Ah, good rain, right? He's, no matter what he's doing, his mind, he's got things to do. He's got to go eat. He's got to go to weddings. He's got to go to store. He's got to go do shopping. He's got to go to graduations. He's got to do stuff, right? But he always has on the foremost part of his mind his crop. Why? That's his life. That's his provision. Jesus is our life. Jesus is our provision. He's our portion. He's, he's everything to us, right? So Jesus must always be foremost on our mind, and we must always be thinking, he's coming again, and I, I, just, I need to do what I got to do in life, but I got to keep in the back on the for, forefront of my mind, he's coming again, so that means that, hey, I should make sure that I'm living the best I can for him. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. We're not perfect. But we need to do the best we can to live for Jesus while we have breath because he's coming again. His word said he's coming again. And so it says, just like in the days of Noah, many people, many people just laughed and mocked. But Noah and his family believed and kept in their mind the rains are coming. Rains are coming. The rains are coming. <laughs> yeah, sure, Noah. Yeah, what's rain? The rains. Are, yeah, sure. The rains are coming. Jesus is coming again. Yeah, yeah. They've been saying that for so many years. Jesus is coming again. Oh, come on. The disciples believe that early church. Where is he? He's coming again. He's coming again. We as believers need to believe that, to plant that seed in our heart and be patient you also be patient it says establish your hearts for the coming also in hebrews ten twenty five, it tells us don't be like some who forsake the assembling of themselves together as the manner of some is but the bible says keep coming together keep coming together and encourage one another and keep looking up encourage one another because the day is coming when he's coming again and so the Bible calls us to get together to encourage one another, to say, hey, keep living for Jesus. Keep the promise. He's coming again. We don't know when. It could be today. It could be 100 years from now. We don't know. But I do know I want to be ready. I want to be living for Jesus today. And so if he comes today, I'm ready. Lord, here am I. All right? None of us are perfect, but I'm ready. I'm living for Jesus. And that's all we can do, be living for the Lord, encouraging one another. Remember Daniel, Daniel in chapter, Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, it says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with, the, with, with all that stuff. This is where it all begins, in our heart. Daniel was a young man, maybe your age. But he was said, I'm going to live for God. I purpose it in here. Once you purpose it in your heart, nobody or nothing can change that. It doesn't matter where you are or what, what, what's going on around you. If it's settled in your heart that you want to live for Jesus and believe him, nobody or anything can change that. And so that's why we come together to encourage one another. Be strong in your heart. Be strong in your faith. Know in whom you have believed. Know that your Savior and Lord is coming back again. That we, we, we live for two things. We live to die and be with Jesus. Right? How many of you believe when you leave this body you're going to be with Jesus? 
we live, we're living to die. We're living to die so that we can live with Jesus for eternity. We must, it said it is appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. But if we're in Jesus Christ, we are already the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We're going to go right to be with Jesus. Hallelujah. So we're living for the day. People say, oh, I'm afraid to die. Why? Jesus gave, took away fear of death. He doesn't want us to fear death anymore because death is a doorway and the blinking of an eye will be with Jesus forevermore. But while we live, while we're waiting for that day, that we don't know when it is, do we? We don't know. But while we live, we live with a joy. We don't, we don't live with a push or a sadness, you know. But we live with a joy saying, I want to live for Jesus today. I want to be glad. This is the day the Lord has made, and I will be glad and rejoice in it. Hallelujah. Too many sad Christians. Too many sourpuss Christians. Too many lemon-faced Christians. I don't know what else to say, but that's all I'm going to say. There's, we need to be not, I'm not talking about having a smile plastered on our face because that's phony and baloney. But we need to be, have a joy in our heart and spirit of living for Jesus every day. Amen? And so the Bible says, Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacy. King's delicacy. And you know what happened with Daniel. God, God delivered him from the lions then, didn't he? <laughs> the lions were hungry, but Daniel was hungrier for God. And the hunger for God outweighs and has more power than the hunger of the world around you. Those gods, the hunger that he had for God in his heart saved him and kept him from being devoured by lions. Think of that. Because he was a hungry in his heart for God. And if you're hungry in your heart for living for God, the things in the world that would want to devour you won't be able to. Think about it. They were big lions. One gulp, Daniel could have been history. But Daniel said, in my heart, I purpose to live for God and to know him. And when those lions were looking at him, licking their chops, God says, no, you don't. No, you can't. Because when you purpose in your heart to live for God, God will keep you from, the, from being devoured by the pleasures and the things and the deceptions and the snares and the lies of this world. I thank God he's kept me. Because I love him, he's kept me. But for the grace of God, I would be, I would be caught up and swept away. But because I love the Lord, because I'm seeking the Lord, I say, Lord, I need the power of your spirit in me so that I can live for you in this generation. I want to be a light for you in this generation. I want to be an example of, for you in this generation. God is able to keep us. He's able to keep you. He's able to keep you and make your light shine in this generation. Amen? And we must be prepared for the promise. Heaven and earth will pass away. Again it goes. As he ends each one, it says, watch therefore. Watch therefore. You do not know. It could be in the evening, in the midnight, at the crowing of the rooster. It says, you do not know. Take heed to yourselves, he says in, in Luke. Least your hearts be weighed down with, with all the stuff of this world. So God is warning us, watch. Be careful. Be careful. Just seek me. Come into my presence. Be, be dependent upon my word, my love, and my Holy Spirit to keep you. I will keep you. And Jesus says that all that the Father has given me, 
put in my hand, there's no snatching. There's no snatching. Nobody could pluck you out of Jesus' hand. He's got you in his salvation and in his righteousness. He's got you right here. And no one or nothing can snatch you out of his hand. As long as you say, Jesus, I love you. I want to live for you. He's got you covered. Jesus has got you covered. I want to live for Jesus. This is a Noah generation. This is a Noah generation. But just like the generation that was serving and worshiping other things, Noah and his family served God, believed the promise of God. And we want to believe the promise of God. In Acts chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put into his own authority, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Why did Jesus pour out his Holy Spirit into our lives? Why did he say, wait until you receive power? Power to do what? Not power to work miracles. We believe God is a miracle-working God. I believe that. I've seen it. I know God works miracles. But God didn't give us his power so that we can go lay hands and see people healed. We can do that. We should be praying for people to be healed and believing God. But God gave us power for a greater purpose than that. How many of you know there's something greater than, than the power of watching someone be healed? I remember way back, there was a woman, she was given only six months to live. And she said, will you please pray for me? We went over and prayed, laid hands on her and believed and prayed. She went to the doctor and the doctor says, you're healed. You're totally healed. She was coming to church. She was coming to our Bible study. And she, the doctor says, you were healed. Six months later, she stopped coming to church, stopped coming to Bible study. She started feeling good and she started to go out with her friends and party. She went away from the Savior who healed her. Shortly thereafter, cancer came back on her, and she died quickly in three months, but did not come back to the Lord. There's greater things than being healed. Jesus healed ten lepers. How many came back to give him thanks? The power of the Holy Spirit that God gives us is that we be transformed by his power inside, that our heart be transformed, our mind be transformed, and that we be a people who will be able to live for him and have the power of God to overcome temptations in our lives, overcome the weaknesses of our lives, overcome the temptations of our mind, overcome all that, we, that, uh, that comes against us on a regular basis, and we have power to live for God. We are transformed by the power of God, it says. The Bible says, be transformed. How many of you watch movies of Transformers? I haven't seen it. I saw some commercials. But Transformers, like, wow, wow. Well, we're transformed. From what we used to be to what we are now, we're transformed. And we are being transformed into the, by the power of God at work in us. That's why you're different. That's why you're different. That's why you're different. Because the power of God transformed you. 
If you were not transformed by God's power, you would be no different than anyone else walking in the world who does not believe on God. No difference. We're all human. We all walk in in flesh and blood. We all have blood flowing through us. We all have gifts and talents. But if you're not using those things for the glory of God because you've not been transformed, if you're not using them to praise and worship God, the Bible says we must, you must be born again. It doesn't say, would you like to be? Perhaps if you would really think it's nice to be born again. Jesus says you must be born again. You must be transformed. You must be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And then you'll be my witnesses. Then you'll be my people. Then you'll be a light shining in a world of darkness. Then you'll be able to produce fruit for the glory in the kingdom of God. Then you'll be able to encourage one another. Build each other up. Hallelujah. We come to church to build each other up to encourage us, to enrich us in our most holy faith, to say, brother, wax strong, follow Jesus, live for the Lord, use your giftings and talents for God. Come on, let's build each other up, amen? That's what it is. That's why the outpouring of Pentecost, that's the major thing, that our lives are works in progress. Ah, uh, you, you drive through all the towns around here, especially like in Berwick, where they're doing all that construction, that's a work in progress. I don't like it the way it is now. Bumps and, and bangs and booms and you don't know which way to turn. You go this way and then there's a detour and you go that way and there's a detour. Nobody likes works in progress except the one who's doing the work. God enjoys working in your life. We might not like it, the bumps and the things that we go through, but God says, you know, when I get done in your life, Ah, it's going to be beautiful. It's going to be beautiful. Read in the paper, it says, ah, once they're going to start paving. And it says that that the streets in Berwick are going to be in pristine condition from curb to curb. That's the word they use, pristine condition from curb to curb. Well, listen, when God gets done working in your life, you're going to be better than pristine. You're going to be beautiful and glorious. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So God is at work in our lives and it's working through the power and anointing of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I want to leave us with that this morning and we want to come around the table of the Lord.